There are moments in life when you can't make sense of the senseless. Tuesday's news of the school shooting in Uvalde is one of those moments. How could someone kill innocent children? I wish that moment never happened, but when you add to that the other senseless acts that we've, of hatred and pure evil that we've experienced over the last few weeks in our nation, it really should serve as a wake-up call for not only America, but the church in particular. How can somebody walk into a supermarket in Buffalo and kill people just because of the color of their skin? How can someone go into a church filled with elderly Taiwanese people to murder them in cold blood simply because of their nationality? The more you try to figure it out, the more that it just doesn't make sense. I was watching the pregame for the Mavs and Warriors game the other night on Tuesday night when they opened up the show with uh, their thoughts about what had transpired earlier that day. And Kenny the Jet Smith said something so simple yet so profound. He said, there's no logic to the demonic. In our flesh and blood world, we we want to fight battles in a flesh and blood way. We want to win the world of public opinion. We want to control the politics of the day. We want someone to blame, and we want someone to pay. What we're trying to do is solve a supernatural problem with a natural solution, and it's never going to work. Supernatural problems need supernatural solutions. Let me say that again. Supernatural problems need supernatural solutions. My heart bleeds for the parents that lost their children, the brothers and sisters that lost their siblings, the grandparents that lost their grandkids, the children that lost their parents, the spouses who lost their spouses, the children who lost their teachers, and the teachers who lost their students. My heart bleeds for a community of people and a community of children who had their innocence ripped from them and their childhood taken away from them. It will never make sense to me. Every time there's a school school shooting, my heart just completely breaks. I remember where I was when I found out about Columbine way back in the, early, in the late 90s. I remember where I was when I was walking down a, a, a mall in Nashville, Tennessee with one of my closest friends as we got the notification on our phone about Sandy Hook. It never makes sense. And when we keep on trying to solve nat- uh, supernatural problems with natural solutions, it's never going to work. What we need is we need God. We need God. We need the church to wake up and realize that if we don't get on our face before God, and if there's not a great awakening, it's only going to get worse. Man, that's a good place for an amen. If I've got to preach to myself this morning, we're going to be here all day. My thoughts went to the pastors, the counselors, the educators, the law enforcement who are left to pick up the pieces of this broken community. What do you say in a moment like that? Where their worlds fall apart, where their parachute doesn't open, where, what do you say in a moment like that? When a school, when a community, when a nation, when a world is collectively grieving a loss, how do we help others process their grief? 
That's what the sermon is about today. We're continuing and wrapping up our series on grief called Breathe Again by looking at some ways that we can help others grieve. And the answer to that question is found in the word heal. Kenneth Hawk in his book, Finding Hope and Healing, talks about how to help others heal. And, and, and I'm going to use, I'm going to borrow his acrostic today that he used to describe how we can help others heal. The very first thing, this is write this in your notes. If you're watching online, you can go to connectedhope.com and follow along there on the Bible app. But it's, the first word is here, H-E-R-E. What does here mean? It's what I would refer to as the ministry of presence. It's being here for them when they need you. You're willing to make time for that person. You're willing to drop what you're doing just to be them with them. You are here. You are present. I want you to look at the story of Lazarus. We've used it throughout this, this series. In John chapter 11, verse 17, it says, When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Now, Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people who had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. And when Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus told her, your brother will rise again. Yes, Martha said, he will rise when everyone else rises at the last day. And Jesus told him, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. And everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I have always believed you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. There's two things I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture. First is in verse 18. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. What were they giving him? They were giving Martha and Mary the ministry of presence. They were showing up when they needed them. They, they were showing up to grieve and to mourn with them. The second part of that verse was Martha's words to Jesus. She said in verse 21, she said, Lord, if you had only been, everybody say the word here, here. Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. If, if we kept reading the story and kept going down the, uh, the chapter, we would see that Mary actually said very similar words in a later verse. What did they want? What did Martha and Mary wanted? They wanted his presence. They wanted him there And Jesus withheld that so that the glory of God could be revealed and Lazarus would rise again. These passages, what they illustrate is this point, this point that what people want and what people need is the ministry of presence. Kenneth Hawk said this, he said, A couple whose daughter died told me how some of their friends were very caring at first, but they disappeared within a month. People didn't know what to say or do, so they avoided us entirely, the wife said. The loneliness they felt from losing a child was compounded by the loss of friends. I, I told you last week that um, when you're grieving, you need to surround yourself with the right people. 
the right people to help you grieve. And what made the people I talked about last week the right people for me was their presence. They were there. When I called, they answered. If they were in a meeting, they stepped out. As time went on, they would respond with a text and say, is it urgent? Are you okay? You know, making sure, and if I needed them right there, they would immediately get up and, and, and call me back or, or answer, answer my call. But they were here when I needed them. If we're going to help people overcome their grief and help them breathe again and help them to find hope in their dark times, then we need to be there for them when they need us. The second thing that, that I want you to see this morning is that we need to be empathetic. Empathetic. What is empathy? It's defined as this, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. The ability to understand and share the feelings of others. Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Now, I'll be honest, I do a great job at celebrating others' success. When things are going well in their life, I'm a cheerleader, I'm excited for them. But mourning with those who mourn, that, that takes a whole nother level. It's empathy that we need. The, the New Living Translation translates this as weep with those who weep. Some are good at celebrating success of others. But they're not very empathetic. They're not very compassionate when others are mourning. Several years ago, before I came here, I was on staff at a church in Texarkana. And I, I was in a staff meeting uh, a few weeks before our pastor's daughter was getting married. In, in the staff meeting that day was the pastor, myself, our kids' pastor, and our, and our secretary. The four of us. And it was his first child to leave his house. It was his first and his only daughter to get married. And so we had been working on a project together. All of us had been working on this big ministry fair thing that we were going to do as a church. And he said, guys, I know we've been working hard on this, but I need to postpone the ministry fair. And there's a little bit like, hey, man, we've been working on this. What's going on? Why are you changing this like last minute on us? And he said, it's scheduled for the day after my daughter's wedding. And, and as our pastor, a very stoic man, said those words, he broke down and he started weeping in, in, in the staff meeting. Now, the kids' pastor and secretaries were both females, okay? So, I mean, that, that, just so you understand the story. And the two of them, when they see him break down, start crying, they immediately started crying. And I'm sitting there with my pastor and the rest of the staff all crying. And I'm just looking at them like, what in the world is going on? And I'm, I'm like, I'm ready to get out of this room right now. And I, I'm just, I cannot believe what's happening in this moment. I'm instantly very, very uncomfortable. And usually in those kind of situations, humor is my go-to, or at least I attempt at, uh, an attempt at humor. And so knowing that my pastor is a very stoic man, doesn't show a lot of emotions and I'm an emotional basket case half the time. I announced to the whole room, if he is like this, you guys are going to have to commit me when my daughters get married. I mean, that's just, that's just where it's at. What was happening? The two ladies, well, they were showing empathy. They could feel his emotion during this transition in seasons of life for him. Me, 
Well, I was making jokes and not being a very good friend at the moment. And my pastor was quick to tell me, someday it's going to be you, and I'm going to remind you of this. And each time, he has. (laughs) He's not being very empathetic either. There you go. When people are grieving, they need compassionate people. Compassionate people who will empathize and sympathize with their situation. You know, what's been my experience is that the people who've walked through similar situations to you are the ones that are more empathetic to what you're going through. 1 Peter 3, verse 8 says, Finally, all of you should be of one mind. Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. So we need to be here. We need to be empathetic. The third thing is we need to be accepting. What, what do I mean by that? Because sometimes when you hear the word accepting, you, you think, Oh, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to, no, it's not accepting your, their sin or accepting, it, it's simply this, don't try to fix the person. They're grieving. This really comes from, this really comes from a place of wanting to help. Like people think, and, and men, we're, we're natural fixers. Like we want, you know, we want to fix things. If, if there's a problem that's happening, we want to try to fix it, especially as it deals with emotion. If somebody's crying, we want them to stop crying and, and all that. And guys, let me help us. I'm, I'm talking to the men this morning. Don't try to fix every problem. Not every problem, not every tear requires a smile right after it. Sometimes people are grieving, and, and, and we don't need to just fix them. We need to allow them to process that. We, want, we don't want to see them dealing with the faces of grief. I'll be honest, I, I, I'm not comfortable a lot of times when I see sadness or anger or the guilt, the apathy that comes along with somebody who's grieving. We want to see them put a smile on their face and, and, and make it all better. We want their mourning to turn into joy as the Bible promises. But listen, let me help us out this morning. Sometimes we just need to let God fix the problem and, and let them go through the process. Instead, what, what, we, what we need to do is not judge them. We don't need to try to change them. We don't need to tell them how they should think or how they should feel right now. We need to give them the space to, to be free to grieve the way that they're going through right now. If, a, if they're driving in the car and a song comes on the radio and they begin to cry, let them cry. If they're praying over a family meal and they break down, pick up the prayer and let them grieve. Grief is a process and we all grieve differently. The worst thing we can do is to shame somebody because they're grieving. Let that sink in this morning. We don't need to shame somebody because they're grieving. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 3 says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is Our merciful Father, and He's the source. I want you to see this. He's the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our trouble so that we we can comfort others. And when they're troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. So that should be our goal. Our goal should be to help, not hurt. Our goal should be to not try and fix people, but to give them the same comfort that God has given us. So we need to be here. We need to be empathetic. 
We need to be accepting. And the last thing is listening. Listening. If we want to help others, we've got to learn to listen. Let them share their feelings, their stories, their memories, their emotions, and their pain. We're natural, as I said, we're natural fixers. We want to, we want to give a word of encouragement. We want to help somebody along the way. We want, we, we, want, we want to give that. So we should listen more than we speak. It's, it's the opposite of the way we think. Job's friends did great at grieving with him until they opened their mouths. For seven days they sat there. They cried with him. They, they, they watched him mourn. They just gave him the ministry of presence. They were here. But when they opened their mouth, they showed that they weren't empathetic. They weren't very accepting of what he was going through. And they certain didn't, certainly didn't listen to him. They were great until they opened their mouths. And then what did they do? They attacked him. They accused him. They tried to fix the situation. And he needed them to listen. If you look at Job 6, verse 14, it says, One should be kind to a fading friend, but you accuse me without any fear of the Almighty. My brothers, you have proved as unreliable as a seasonal brook that overflows its bank in the spring. He said, you're not reliable. You are not reliable. You're not going to, I mean, listen, you're, you're as unreliable as my 1980 Pinto was when I was in college, okay? You're unreliable. <laughs> you're not going to get me very many places. He didn't need those harmful words. So I found a list of some of the best and worst things to say. How many want to, you know, always, let's start with the bad news, right? Here's the worst things you can say to somebody who's grieving. You ready? You can write these down. At least she lived a long life. Many people die young. Nobody needs to hear that, okay? Let me help you out this morning. Here's, here's one. She brought this on herself. How is that helpful? I, I'm telling you, I've heard most of these. I've heard most of these either as a, as a minister or, or as, a, as a person who is grieving myself. Here's one. There's a reason for everything. Okay, I think we all understand that God's in control and there's, and there's there. But at, at the point when we're grieving, we don't need to be reminded of that. Here's one. Aren't you over him yet? He's been dead for a while now. As I said last week, grieving and a loss, it, it changes us. It's a change in a season. We, we never get over that. Now, we may learn to cope. We may learn to deal. We may, we may, there may be more smiles at memories than there are tears as we go, but there's always going to be that loss that's in our heart, and we've just got to learn to live with it. So we're never going to get over that person. So why would you say that to somebody? Here's what somebody might say to somebody who's, um, who's lost a child. You can have another child still. Let, let me help us. Replacing one child for another, there's still a loss. There's still a loss. A friend of mine, he and his wife have had five miscarriages. 
the adopted daughter they have now does not replace those other five. It doesn't. Here's something that some people might say. Well, they did what they came here to do, and it was their time to go. Okay, we don't want to hear that in, in the moments of grief right after. Here's another one. Be strong. Be strong. What are you telling that person? I don't give you permission to grieve. I don't give you permission to cry. You've got to be strong. Suck it up, buttercup. That's not what we need to hear. Oh, and this is my favorite one. This is the one sometimes I almost lose the victory over. I know how you feel. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I got this one several times as I was grieving the loss of my dad. And let me help you. No, you don't. You don't know how another person feels. Why? Because we all grieve differently. We don't grieve the same. When I lost my, when I lost my father, I grieved differently than you would have lost if you would have lost you. you. You say, you may know how it feels to lose a loved one. You may know how you felt when you lost your father. You may know how you felt when you lost your spouse. But you can't imagine what another person is feeling because you, we grieve differently. Because get, Let me help us out. Relationship dynamics are different. Every family is different. Things are different. Some people have guilt some people have regret because they didn't spend enough time with the person or, or because of that. Now, I didn't, I didn't deal with those things personally myself, but there are people that deal with that kind of thing. So I don't really know how they feel. I don't know the hidden things that are in their mind. I just know what it's like to lose a father. Now, I have more empathy now for people who are grieving than I did a year ago because I know what it's like to lose a parent. But I don't know how they're truly feeling. There's a difference. Let me, let me help us out. There's a difference between knowing what it's like to lose a parent and knowing how a person is feeling. So when you say, I know how you feel, as much as that is, is from the right place, the right heart, it's different. I mean, there were several people that had lost parents that I went back to and I said, listen, I am, I am, so, I am so sorry because I, I was not... I, I did not understand what, what it was like to lose a parent. But I, I can't go back to them and say, I, don't, I knew how you were feeling because I didn't. Some, some people lose a family member tragically in an accident. Some see them uh, wither away because of a terminal illness for years and years and years. And every death is different and every, every situation is different and we don't truly know how they feel. So can we just make a, can we just make a pledge to one another today that we're not going to use those words because they're not helpful, they're harmful. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Our motivation, anytime we open our mouth, should always be to help the person who's listening. It should not be what, 
we think they need to hear or what we now listen I, I, sometimes we 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 say things cuz we're trying to fix a problem and we need to just allow God to work in their life if we've got a a, a word from the Lord give it but the, if we can't encourage somebody in a moment of grief then then don't don't say anything just be there with them our words should benefit so how many want to know the best things to say I thought this was a good list. I'm so sorry for your loss. Sometimes just acknowledging that I wish I had the right words to say, just know that I care. Here's one. I don't know how you feel, but I'm here to help you in any way I can. You and your loved one will be in my thoughts and prayers. This one was one that was so meaningful to me personally. My favorite member, memory of your loved one is when somebody shares what something was meaningful about my dad or any other family member or close friend that I've had that's passed away, it's meaningful. Here's another one. I'm always just a phone call away. Sometimes we don't even need to say anything. Maybe we just need to wrap our arms around them and give them a shoulder that they can cry on. Here's another thing. We're all, we all need help at times like these. And I'm here for you. I had this one several times, and, I, and, and it says I'm... Somebody would say, I'm, I'm up early or I'm up late. If you need something, if you need anything, please don't hesitate to call. Sometimes just saying nothing and being with a person is what they need. Our words should be few. Our words should be few. Listening is the best gift that we can give. Let them tell their stories. Listen, you may have heard the story before. Just, you know, do what you do with that grandpa that sits there and tells you the same stories over and over again. You, what do you do? You just listen. You know, unless you're Andre, some of you. Grandpa, you told me that same story last week. Don't, don't do that with somebody that's grieving, okay? Let them tell the story. Let them tell what's going on. Listening is the best gift that you can give. Proverbs 18, 13 says, Spouting, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Some are more concerned with the advice or the encouragement that they want to give instead of truly listening to what the person really needs in that moment. If we want to help people heal, we've got to listen. And when we do use our words, they've got to be helpful and not harmful. So if we're going to help others, we need to be here, empathetic, accepting, and listening. So as we wrap up this series, Breathe Again, I want us to go back to Isaiah We read this scripture in week one of our series in Isaiah 53, um, chapter 53, verse 3. It says, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. And surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed." Did you see that? Jesus was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with the deepest grief. And it went on to say in verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs. He understands what we're going through. If you want to know somebody who knows how you're feeling, it's the one who created you. He understands what you're going through. He knows how you feel. He's empathetic to you. He's compassionate to you. He's wrapping his arms of love around you so that you can get through that. And listen, because he has comforted us, we can now comfort others. We can help others process their grief. We can go through that in that stage of life and mourn, as the scripture says, mourn with those who mourn. So this morning, as we draw to a close today, We want to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made. We want to remember that he carried the weight of our grief and our sorrow. Would you stand with me today? If you're watching online this morning, we're about to receive communion, and we would love for you to participate with us if you could get some juice or crackers. If you're in the house this morning, and uh, can I get a couple ushers and make sure that everybody's got uh, elements today if you didn't pick yours up on this morning? on the way in, we want, we want to remember what Jesus did. We want to remember not only that he carried the weight of our sin, but he carried the weight of our sorrows. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 through 29 says, So if anyone eats this bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That's why you should examine yourself before eating the bread And drinking from the cup, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup unworthily, not honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So before we receive communion this morning, I want us to examine our hearts. I want us to look inside of our lives and see if there's something that's inside of us that's not right. Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I invite you to search your own heart this morning. In a few moments, we're going to pray a prayer together and we're going to ask the Lord to come in our heart and be the Lord of our lives. Maybe it's the first time you've ever prayed a prayer like that. Maybe you're online this morning. You just somehow come across this message from a friend of a friend or from a friend who attends this church and shared it on their Facebook page or sent you a link to the YouTube video and and you're watching today. Listen, God so loved you that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. It tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you're watching online this morning, you're in this room, here in a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. We're going to ask Jesus to come in our heart and be the Lord of our life. And those of us that have prayed this prayer many times and are already already, uh, committed our life to the Lord, we're going to pray this prayer along with you today. We want you to be encouraged that there's 
people around you that are willing to commit their lives and recommit and dedicate their life to the Lord as well. Before we do, I want to know who I'm praying with today. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? In a moment, I'm going to count to three, and if that's you, you say, Pastor, I'm ready to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've walked away from the Lord. I've not been what I need to be, but today's a day that I'm making a fresh commitment to Him. Maybe this is the first time you've ever made that commitment and you're saying today's the day that I'm going to make a commitment to serve Jesus with my whole life. If that's you, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. If you're online, would you put a comment in the comment section or send us an email at prayer at hopefamily.tv. But when I say three, would you respond to God today? One, two, three. Anybody in this room, anybody online today that you would make that declaration? I want to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me today. Would you say, dear Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died, rose again, and I believe you're the Lord of all. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three 23 says, For this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you just as I received it. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Everybody take that wafer in your hand, and would you just break it right now? He said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We just read the scripture a few moments ago that says, by his stripes we are healed. Surely he has borne our griefs and our sorrows. See, Jesus didn't only come and take the stripes on his back so that we could have physical healing. He came so that we could have emotional healing as well. Maybe you've walked through grief. Maybe you've been tuning in for four weeks and you're watching to the conclusion of this message uh, today. And, you, and you're just saying, man, I'm, I'm struggling in, in my grief. I'm struggling in what, what I'm in processing that. Listen, I believe there's healing for you. I believe that God can comfort you today. He comforts those who mourn. Blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted, is what Matthew 5 says in the Beatitudes. And if you're here in this room today and you're struggling with grief or maybe you need physical healing, you you just need a healing today, I want to pray for you as well as we pray over this bread today, as we thank God for his broken body. If you need healing, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever it is, if that's you, would you slip up your hand right now so I know who I'm praying with. If you're online today, let Pastor Ben know we want we want to pray with you as well. Father, we thank you right now. Come on, thank you for his broken body. We thank you, Lord, that it's by by your stripes that we are healed, that you carried the weight of our grief, that you carried the weight of our sorrow, that you carried the weight of our sickness and our disease. And I'm asking you right now, God, that you would bring healing today healing today. Those that are grieving right now, would you heal them? Those that need peace today, would you give them peace? Those that need a physical touch in their body, would you give them a physical touch in their body? I'm praying right now, God, that you would release it. In Jesus' name, come on, would you thank him for touching your body today? Would you thank him for healing? God, we thank you for that today. Come on, let's receive the bread together this morning. First Corinthians 11 verse 25 says this in the same way he took the cup of wine after supper saying this cup is the new covenant between God and you sealed by the shedding of my blood 
Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Because he died on the cross and he poured out his blood for us so that we can have life and have it more abundantly. Today we remember that sacrifice. Come on, would you thank him? Thank him for what he's done for you. Thank you, thank him for saving you. God, I thank you for salvation. I thank you for the grace of God that brings salvation to all people. God, that it brings it to us and we make a choice, God, whether we serve you or not. And today, God, we thank you that you paid the price so that we might have life more abundantly. I ask today, God, that you would help us to never forget the sacrifice that you made. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Come on, let's receive the cup today. worship the Lord. Jeremiah is going to lead us in this song today. Would you just would you just take a moment and give him thanks? Thank you Jesus. It was my cross you bore so I could live in the freedom you died for. Now my life is yours And I will sing of your goodness forevermore Worthy is your name, Jesus You deserve the praise Worthy is your name, worthy is your name And amazed in your love undeniable Your grace goes on and on And I will sing of your mercy forevermore Worthy is your name, Jesus You Deserve the praise, worthy is your name, worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise, worthy is your name, worthy is your
Your glory fills this place. You alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Yes, be exalted now in the heavens. As your glory fills this place, you alone deserve our praise. You're the name above all names. Cause worthy is your name, Jesus, you deserve praise. Worthy is your name, worthy is your name, Jesus, you deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. some cards where we're going to have these available so that when somebody is grieving, you know that they lost somebody, you can put it in a card and just say, hey, thinking of you, this was a message our church did on on grief a while back, and you know, we would love for you to um, take a look at it when you feel comfortable. And um, I, I'm, just, I'm just humbled at how God uses us. So next week, we're, you know, we're moving past this, a four-week series. We're moving past this. Let me just tell you where we're headed. Next week, we've got uh, Pentecost Sunday. I'm going to be speaking on the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'm excited about uh, teaching on that. And I love, I love what the Holy Spirit has done in my life, and I, and I, I think
fullness of the Holy Spirit is available for every believer, and we want we want you to experience that as well. On Father's Day, we're kicking off a new series called Summer School, and it's going to be a study on uh, the end times. You know how many believe we are living in the end times? We are living in the end times, and so we're gonna we're gonna look at that. It's 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 our our core doctrine. We're gonna we're gonna be speaking on that. It's gonna, it's gonna be a great series. And then I'm gonna uh, towards the end of that series, we're gonna we're gonna answer some of the common questions about the end times, uh, and and just kind of give you a good theology, if you will, a good solid doctrine. I think it's important. You know, one of the things that scripture teaches us is to be able to defend our faith that we need to be able to defend our faith at any at any moment and uh, the defense of your faith is called apologetics in order to have good apologetics you really need a good theology you need a good understanding of what you believe and so our hope this summer is that we can help you as it relates to the end times because there's a lot of misinformation out there and you know what here's the thing some of you may not agree with us and that's okay because here's here's my philosophy as it relates to doctrine is God's going to straighten us all out when we get to heaven you know, I believe, based on my interpretation of Scripture, that what we believe as an Assemblies of God church is right on and uh, and in our study. But I also understand that that no man is perfect, and so it's possible that that even even we are wrong. And so we need to walk with grace and humility as it comes uh, comes to these matters. But we want to teach you what we believe, and we want to help you uh, grow in your in your faith. So we're gonna we're gonna be talking about the end times and so I'm excited about that a lot of good things coming up Father's Day going to be a huge day for us we're going to do pancakes so moms we're helping you out so you don't have to like get the kids ready and try to feed the uh, you know feed dad Father's Day breakfast just get them up here early we're going to have pancakes bacon all that kind of good stuff it's going to be real nice it's going to be a great day Uh, excited about that and then coming up July the 3rd we're going to have at, at the conclusion of church that day, we're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs. It's going to be a lot of fun. So we got a lot of good things coming up here at Hope. I know it's summertime. Some of you are going to go on vacation. I'm sure, uh, I know I am at some point throughout the summer because I've got a limited amount of time when my wife's a school teacher, uh, educator, when I can when I can go. So I, I'm going to be going. Zach and Alyssa are getting married. They're going to be going. Uh, ben and Haley are going to go on vacation at some point this summer. So, I mean, listen, we all will do that. But I'm asking you that when you are in town, stay committed to the house of God. Let's come and grow together in our faith. We've got nights of community this summer where we're going to relationally connect with one another and kind of give you a glimpse of what a community group is all about. So we want you to be involved in those things. So a lot lot of good things happening here at Hope. Amen. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you uh, today. Some of you didn't get to meet Trinity a couple of weeks ago when we honored our graduates, but uh, Trinity is here. This is her last time with us. She's been a regular in our, our college uh, small group, but she's going to AM to work on her master's in agriculture. And uh, and so super sharp. So it's good to have her and her mom, Diane. They were in our church in Chandler when we uh, were student pastors down there. Trinity was just a little uh, baby, and I didn't have gray hair in those days. So uh, it was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, all right? It was, uh, well, county anyway. But we're honored that you guys are here uh, worshiping with us today. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you. Father, thank you. 
for an opportunity to come and worship today. Thank you for our family that's gathered here and our friends that have gathered today uh, here as well as online. I pray that you would bless them and keep them, that you would make your face shine down upon them and be gracious to them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church.